0: Um, well, good morning. Welcome. Um, as Sam Nunnville mentioned, my name is Abby. Um, I'm part of the staff team here at SCC. I have the joy of overseeing some of the young adult stuff here. Um, and it is a real privilege to be opening the Bible with you this morning. Now, to be honest, um, I've been preparing for this morning with a slight feeling of trepidation. Um, you might be aware we're kind of following this summer series thinking about the practice of neighbouring. Um, and I'm very aware that I still have a lot to learn in the area of neighbouring. I'm very aware there are plenty of other people who've kind of spoken over the summer um, who are the real deal when it comes to thinking about neighbours, thinking about connecting with other people. However, um, wherever we're at, um, whatever your kind of experience of your thoughts on neighbouring, whatever your housing, living situation, you might be kind of sharing a house and actually loving your neighbours looks like loving your housemates well. um, You might own a house and you have neighbours. You might be in a different sort of accommodation and um, living situation. But over these summer Sundays we're kind of taking the time to be um, inspired by Jesus to take the next steps in reaching out to our neighbours, in reaching out to those around us and um, those steps might look kind of completely different from one person to the next but my hope, and my prayer is that there's kind of something for each one of us to learn from this morning um, there's something for that we can all kind of take away as we think about this. And so today um, we're thinking more specifically about how to love our neighbours when their lives are totally different to ours. How do we kind of not let fear of the unknown, of what's uncomfortable, of what's different kind of start to creep in when we think about loving those around us. I was counting back um, and realised that I think I've lived with about 17 different flatmates and housemates since I first moved to Sheffield for uni about eight years ago now. Um, Some have been kind of more like me than others, some have been very different to me um, and I think kind of along the way God has taught me something about what does it look to kind of um, love those people around me well even when they're not necessarily like me. And so the passage that we're in today um, is Luke chapter 5 verses 27 to 32. Um, do you feel free to follow along if you've got a Bible, you might want to follow on your phone, I think the verses will appear on the screen behind me as well. Um, but this is Luke chapter 5 Um, And so this passage starts with the words after this, and so um, I'd love to just kind of take a moment to recognise what's happened um, in the build-up to this in the rest of the chapter. And we see, as we kind of flick back through chapter 5, that Jesus has already been ministering to, he's already been reaching out to people who are totally different to him, and to those that society might have otherwise kind of um, cast cast aside or um, not kind of interacted with. And so we see that he's healed a man of leprosy, um, someone who others might have kind of avoided for fear of catching it. He's healed a man who was paralyzed, um, again, someone that others kind of would have cast aside, seen as having little value in society at the time. And so we see that Jesus is kind of already in the habit of going towards people who are different to him, of going towards those who others would leave out or not necessarily approach. And it's after all this um, that Jesus approaches Levi, the tax collector he says to him, follow me. And then he goes and hangs out at Levi's house, he eats with him, um, much to the outrage of the Pharisees who were kind of looking on. So what was it particularly about the tax collectors that kind of concerned um, the Pharisees as they were looking at what Jesus was doing? Well, I think from what I've read, um, there are two main reasons why tax collectors were particularly disliked um, in this society at the time. Firstly, the tax collection system was corrupt overall, it was very open to kind of exploitation. Um, Tax collectors would often overtax people, they would keep a lot for themselves um, and they would kind of take advantage of other people who were working for them. And then secondly, um, to the Jews, tax collectors were seen as traitors to their own people um, because they were kind of cooperating with, they were collecting taxes for the Romans um, and they had occupied Jewish lands. in this case, Palestine. And so to devout Jews to the Pharisees here, um, tax collectors would have been seen as kind of betraying their own people just for economic gain. Now, Levi um, was a Jewish name, and so the Pharisees would have kind of seen him as a religious outcast. And then we have the Pharisees themselves kind of looking on at what Jesus is doing. And I feel like um, we often kind of see the Pharisees as the bad guys. They get a lot of bad press and they're regularly referred to as hypocrites and often rightly so, but also it was because of their kind of utterly devout belief in God that they were so concerned with making sure that the law um, was kind of applied and obeyed in all aspects of life. And so by Jewish law, um, Jesus should have kept himself clean by not associating with people like tax collectors, like Levi. And the Pharisees were concerned for Jesus, they thought that um, by him kind of eating with sinners, by eating with tax collectors, that they were kind of making him unclean, and that he was invalidating his his ministry and his authority, and it just didn't really make sense to them as to why he was doing this. But although the Pharisees kind of claimed to serve this God of love and grace, they were actually denying God's love for others. They were denying God's grace for themselves, and they couldn't see kind of further than just keeping themselves Mm righteous. Righteous. Although they would have had so many opportunities to kind of extend God's mercy and God's grace to those around them, they just hadn't quite grasped it. And slightly ironically, they kind of didn't think that Jesus should be eating with these sinners, these tax collectors, when they were actually kind of blind to the fact that we are all sinners, we are all unclean before God. And so when Jesus kind of calls Levi the tax collector to follow him and then eats in his home... Jesus radically demonstrates that everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God and that loving our neighbour, I'd say, not only includes but kind of arguably prioritises those who are different to us, those that society might stay away from or dislike. Because in verse 32, we see that Jesus says, "'I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance.'" And we see that Jesus kind of manages to stay true to who he is, who he is in God, while also showing mercy to those around him. He isn't worried that by associating with these tax collectors that he will become like them, that he'll be led astray. Actually, it's quite the opposite. Actually, him being with Levi, the tax collector, leads Levi to repentance. It leads Levi to encounter Jesus' transformation. And we know from the other gospel accounts of this event that this tax collector is actually Matthew. Um, He becomes one of Jesus' disciples, one of Jesus' closest followers. And so what a transformation, what a challenge actually really to kind of not underestimate people, to not write them off too early. And so as followers of Jesus, if we are to become like him, then we're to follow his example in this, in reaching out to those who others might be wary of, to those who others might write off, they might find difficult, they might not give much time to. But how do we do this? Probably easier said than done, and you might be thinking, well, we're not Jesus. Um, But I think there are a few different things kind of in this passage that we can pick out, um, that we can kind of learn from how Jesus went about this. So firstly, what kind of stood out to me is that Jesus approached Levi, not the other way around. He didn't expect Levi to come to him to be ready to come to Jesus, but actually Jesus met him right where he was, in his tax collector's booth. And Jesus was then willing to be invited into Levi's life, into his home, um, and he accepted the invitation to kind of eat with him. And by that point, we know that Levi had kind of decided to follow Jesus, but we might still wonder quite where the money came from to kind of hold this great banquet. But actually, Jesus wasn't phased by this. He kind of went anyway because he knew that transformation was only going to happen if he met Levi right where he was at. And I think somehow Jesus kind of strikes this perfect balance of not necessarily affirming people's actions, um, but he also doesn't judge them. He just loves and accepts the people he encounters right where they're at. And actually, by going to Levi's home, um, Jesus is then able to meet a whole host of Levi's friends of other tax collectors who then have the opportunity to meet Jesus and to encounter his transforming love. And so I think there's kind of a question, a challenge there for us. Actually, are we willing to go to where people are at, to meet them where they're at, rather than expecting them to be comfortable to come to us? As I mentioned, um, I originally moved to Sheffield for university um, and during my first year, I lived in student accommodation in um, a flat in the Encliffe village. And before moving, um, I remember making the decision that my flatmates would be the people that I really wanted to kind of invest in during my first year, and I really wanted them to be the people that I became good friends with. I didn't want to wait to kind of get to know them to see whether they were like me, to see whether we would get on. Um, I knew that they were the people that I would kind of be in closest proximity to, and so I wanted them to be the people that I kind of built up my closest relationships with because I felt like there was a real opportunity there to kind of share something of my faith, to share something of Jesus' love, um, because they were going to be the ones that would see me kind of 24-7, really. Um, Before moving to uni, I was quite an innocent teenager, shall we say, and when I arrived and then kind of moved into this flat, there were 10 of us all together, um, it soon became pretty clear that it was quite a party flat. Um, Not my natural scene, not my comfort zone at all, Um, and actually most of my flatmates I probably wouldn't have necessarily kind of crossed over with or become friends with had we not suddenly been forced to live together. But I kind of knew that I'd made this decision that I wanted to invest in them, I wanted to build good relationships with them. And I sort of started to realise that if I wanted to spend time with them to do this, I was going to have to join in with how they were spending their time. And that was mostly going out in the evenings. Um, And so kind of thinking this through, I decided, well, I wasn't going to drink any alcohol, um, because that was how I could kind of keep in control of who I was, that was how I'd be able to love the people around me well. But I did meet them where they were at, I would go out with them to kind of more bars and clubs than I really care to think about now. (laughs) And kind of as we went out, my flatmates, those in the same block as me who kind of joined in, um, they knew that I was a Christian, and we just had some amazing conversations about God, about faith. They were so curious as to why I would go out with them when they knew it wasn't really what I enjoyed. Um, They were even more curious as to how I could do this only drinking a lime and soda. Um, And I think as a result of that, then when it kind of came to inviting them um, to events at church, inviting them to Alpha when I kind of hosted Cell and had people from church around, they were much more receptive to kind of join in with that, to come along, because it came from that place of relationship. And I'm pretty sure that we wouldn't have had some of the conversations that we did had I not been willing to kind of meet them where they were at. Now, I share this, and none of them have become Christians yet, um, but I'm just still really praying that actually it's kind of planted something of a seed in them, that one day they'll be ready to take that step of faith. And going back to the passage, I think secondly, we see that Jesus, he didn't do his ministry alone. We know that his disciples were with him because the Pharisees um, kind of asked them why Jesus was eating with the tax collectors and sinners. And I think that Jesus of all people probably was capable of doing this on his own, of getting on with things if he wanted to. But actually we see that he models community to us. He models the importance of having other people around us, of inviting people to join in. And so as we're kind of thinking about reaching out to neighbours, reaching out to those who are different to us, who are the people that God's kind of put around you to join in with that mission on? And then thirdly, um, I love that this all happens over the meal table, again, like so much of Jesus' ministry, um, countless times where he's seen kind of eating food with his disciples and other people. And in the society at the time, um, this kind of fellowship around the table would have implied mutual acceptance of one another. But I think it's also something that we all have in common. We have to stop and eat. um, And around the dinner table is a perfect opportunity to start to invite different people in. And Levi, we see, kind of follows Jesus' example of mixing with different people. um, Because he's already decided to follow Jesus, um, he's made that choice. And we can presume that kind of transformation change is starting to take place. And yet he doesn't leave his old life completely behind. Um, he still kind of eats with the other tax collectors so that he can invite them to come and introduce them to Jesus as well. And this kind of made me think um, you may or you may not be aware that we've sort of started to form a team of people who have a particular heart for welcoming people from Hong Kong. Um, since the governments have kind of increased access to visas following the concern over increasing oppression in Hong Kong. Um, it's kind of estimated that up to around 300,000 people might arrive in the UK over the next five years. And so there's been this sort of nationwide initiative um, to ask churches to sign up to be Hong Kong ready to think about how can we welcome people well that are going to start to arrive. And so we, as STC, um, we signed up. We've been working with the Sheffield Chinese Church um, to link up with people who have kind of recently arrived into Sheffield and into the local area. And um, Albert and Hiroko here have done an amazing job at kind of mobilising the team. They've organised these afternoon tea parties um, for people who've kind of recently moved and are looking to connect in with people. Um, some have been Christians, the majority not necessarily. And actually for some who've arrived during lockdown, during the pandemic, um, these tea parties have been the first opportunity to sort of start to um, connect with people, to start to meet some people who live in the local area. And I think um, there's just been something so powerful about starting to build that community over the meal table. And in this case, introducing people to some quintessential English food. Mm -hmm. But what's been so encouraging as we've kind of been sharing um, stories of these tea parties is how we've started to see the knock-on effect of us sort of being ready to welcome people. Um, So there's an amazing couple who are part of the church family called Rob and Emma, um, and they head up Revive Café. Which is um, a soup kitchen with a difference, we like to call it. We kind of run out of the Cathedral Arch project every other Saturday. We serve soup and sandwiches, um, and we invite the guests to kind of stay and eat with us and start to build up um, community. And a lot of people are in vulnerable situations. They might be homeless. Um, a lot of them are kind of looking for community. And so um, Robin Emma, who lead Revive, had invited um, this new arrival from Hong Kong we'll call him Bob for the sake of today and he had kind of come along to one of the tea parties they invited him over for dinner and they had just kind of got chatting about Revive about what it is and were saying about how they were looking for more volunteers to come and help and so amazingly Bob said that he would like to get involved with that Um, he's kind of recently arrived but got a background in social work um, and he wanted to kind of come along and get involved in the Revive team and um Yeah, the last couple of Saturdays that it's run, he's been there. Yesterday, he even invited two of his other family members to come along and to be a part of what we're doing. Um, and I just think that's amazing that Bob had kind of received this warm welcome from Robin Emma, from the Hong Kong Ready team. And here he, here he is already, kind of ready and willing and wanting to give it out to others. And so, like Levi, Levi, who was kind of called by Jesus, and he invited Jesus to come and meet his fellow tax collectors. Then it kind of came full circle and i think we started to kind of see the same with bob he's been welcomed in and now he wants to give that welcome and that hospitality away to others and we started with hong kong um, in this case but obviously we've seen in the news this week the desperate situation in afghanistan um, we know we'll see kind of many refugees starting to arrive in the next few weeks months years Um, And it's my prayer that as we think about this, that we'll be ready, um, that as our kind of global neighbours might become our more local neighbours. My prayer is that as the church, we'll be the people who are ready to go towards those who are different to us. We'll be ready to offer radical hospitality, that we'll be ready to love our neighbours well. So we've kind of thought a bit about how Jesus um, loved these other people. We see that he approached Levi, he went with his disciples, um, and he involved food around the meal table. But where does this kind of heart um, for other people come from? Why is Jesus able to reach out seemingly so naturally to Levi? Well, I think verses 31 and 32 are key. They say, Jesus answered them, "'It is not the healthy who need a doctor.' but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think Jesus was so convinced of his calling, and that was not to stick to the familiar, to the comfortable, but it was to seek out and save the lost. It was to seek out the people in need of hope, the people in need of transformation. Because Jesus knew, like we know, um, that God has created everyone in his image, that he's made them uniquely and wonderfully. And Jesus was determined to call that out of people. He was determined to look further than the exterior to the outward appearance. Um, He was determined to believe that actually everyone can experience the fullness of life that he came to offer. And we see throughout the Gospels that so much of Jesus' time was focused on these sorts of people, on the marginalised, on the sick, the poor, the oppressed. And again, as followers of Jesus, we're called to do the same both with those around us kind of right on our street um, and those further afield. Right from the start of Jesus' ministry, he fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy um, when he announced in Luke chapter 4, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And from here, we see that Jesus knew what he was about. He knew what God had sent him to do. And um, throughout the gospel, we see that this kind of remained his focus. This remained his priority. And if we kind of skip back to verse 16 in chapter 5, I think we get a key glimpse into how Jesus could do this, how he kind of kept it up. It just simply says, Jesus withdrew to pray. And we know that this is something Jesus did regularly. He'd kind of take himself um, away from the crowds. He'd get away to spend time with God, to spend time with his father. And I'm sure this it must have been in these moments that Jesus aligned his heart with God's again, that he was reminded of this calling. Those must have been the moments where he kind of set his priorities. And I think there's a real challenge there for us to do the same. So to kind of bring um, all this to a close and wrap it up a bit, um, as I've been reflecting on this passage and Jesus' heart that we see for those who are different to him, I think it ultimately comes down to making a choice and actually making that choice with God's help, um, not in our own strength or our own striving. Jesus had such a strong conviction. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he chose to stick with that. He chose to not stick with what was comfortable or just kind of gravitate towards the people who were easier to get on with or the people that kind of everyone else liked. But he chose the people that God was calling him towards. He chose the people in need of hope, in need of transformation, in need of salvation. And as followers of Jesus, we can ask for God's help to choose the same I asked God for his help to kind of um, commit to my first year flatmates, whatever they were going to be like. I asked God to help me stick to my choice and to not live with other Christians throughout uni because I knew the opportunities that that would bring to share my faith. I've chosen to commit to the Revive Cafe team because I know actually that's where I'll get to interact with people who are very different to me. People who are particularly in need of Jesus' love and hope. And ultimately, um, very personally, I think it's a conviction of that calling to people who are very different to me, which is why um, I'm choosing to move across the world to Ecuador in a few months, because God kind of seems to have put on my heart um, a country, a culture, a people who are very different to me. And if you didn't know about Ecuador, I'm very happy to chat further afterwards. <laughs> so I think Jesus doesn't call us to the safety of our comfort zone, For me, it's very easy to start to coast along, to gravitate again back towards people who are similar to me. Um, But then I kind of stop and I think about a passage like this and I have to check myself again. Actually, have I become too comfortable? Have I fallen back into the trap of sticking with those people who are most like me? And I have to remind myself of the choice that I've made, of the choice I've made to commit to living how Jesus lived to commit to seek out and to save the lost, because Jesus saved me, and he loved me first, and so I'm called to give that love away. These kind of six summer Sundays, um, where we're thinking about the practice of neighbouring, they all link in, funnily enough. Um, Tom spoke the first week about the Good Samaritan, Um, we see kind of, yeah, a major example there of stopping for someone who was very different Helen spoke about what gets in the way of us kind of loving our neighbour. And I think actually the safety and the security of people who are familiar, who are like us, is part of that. And then last week, Sam spoke about time. I think it will often take more time, more energy, perhaps, to reach out to people who aren't like us. But we've been reminded that time isn't ours to hold on to, that we surrender our time to God. And so as I invite the band back up, Um, I'd love to just leave us with a couple of questions to ponder. Who might it be? Has anybody kind of come to mind um, that's on your street, that's in the spaces and places that you're in, that God is just prompting you to take that next step, to approach them, maybe to reach out to them, to invite them into something? Maybe there's someone who others kind of prefer to stay away from, who others might find difficult. Um, But is there somebody who God's kind of prompting you about who God's putting on your heart? And secondly, um, do we need to make that choice again to step outside of our comfort zones, away from those who we might feel most comfortable with, who we might kind of gravitate towards, and towards those who are different to us, towards those people that Jesus would have been reaching out to, that he would have loved? And know that as we think about this, that we don't do it alone. Um, It's only in God's strength. It's only with his help. Because he invites us to partner with what he's doing. He invites us to be a part of seeing his kingdom come, of seeing people encounter his love. Um, And what a gift, what a privilege it is that we get to do that. But it's up to us to make that choice, to step into that, I think. And so we're just going to spend a few moments kind of responding. We're going to spend some more time in worship. Um, And I'm going to just pray for us now. But can I invite you to stand as we respond?